This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Do masks work to help stop the spread of COVID? A New York Times columnist recently said they don't, and he cited an authoritative review of research as his source. But it turns out he was wrong. And that plays into the hands of Republicans who've been campaigning against mask mandates as an infringement on personal freedom. For an explanation of the research and what it means, we turn to Greg Gonsalves. He works on epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health. He's been an AIDS activist for 30 years. He writes regularly for The Nation about the pandemic. And he's also a 2018 MacArthur Fellow. Greg, welcome back. Thanks, John. A respected scientific nonprofit called Cochrane did a review of all the available research, and that's what everybody is looking at now. They reported that their review left them, quote, uncertain about whether wearing masks helps slow the spread of respiratory viruses. But it turns out that they were uncertain, not because of the masks, but because of problems with the research. The gold standard for research, of course, is the randomized double-blind experiment. When two groups of people are compared, one group has been given the experimental drug or procedure, the other has been given a placebo, nobody knows which group they're in. You can do that with drugs. Can you do a randomized double-blind experiment with masks? You can do it. If you have a mask on, you know you have a mask on. The the issue with the Cochrane study is that Cochrane generally uses randomized controlled trials to make their assessments. There weren't that many studies done of masking in the context of COVID for them to rely on. They said they reviewed 78 studies, which sounds like a lot, but they said only 10 focused on what happens when people wear masks versus people who don't. And only two of those were specifically about masking and COVID. The rest were done before COVID. Uh, So it's not 78 studies of masks and COVID. It's only two. Yeah. The main point is that Brett Stevens, who we've been sort of discussing without naming him, wrote a piece in the New York Times saying masks don't work, mask mandates are useless, and everybody who's supported masking as a public policy should be ashamed of themselves and apologize to me and everybody else. He went so out far in front of his skis, claimed with certainty that, you know, masks don't work or mask mandates don't work, um, that the Cochrane collaboration, the Cochrane Library had to issue a, a, a corrective a couple of days ago saying, hey, some people are using our systematic review to say that masks don't work. It's not the case. What we said is that because of the lack of primary evidence, we can't make a a determination about the effectiveness of masking in the context of respiratory infections. Zainab Tufekci, who is a columnist at the New York Times, and more importantly, is actually a, a working social scientist, a sociologist, decided to do a deep dive into the data she read all the studies that were covered in the Cochrane Review, but she also sort of broadened out her lens to look at non-randomized studies of masking to see what she could find. So let, let's take a look at these one, one at a time. Two of your Yale colleagues did a big study where they distributed masks in villages in Bangladesh and compared COVID infection rates there with other villages where masks were not distributed. That study involved more than 340,000 people in 600 villages. They found that masks significantly reduced COVID infections, especially among older people, 35% lower among people over 60. That study was a lot better designed than many others. For example, a study of Hajj pilgrims to Mecca 
where pilgrims sleep together in tents of 50 to 100 people. One group was given masks and told to wear them. The other wasn't. The research found, quote, little difference between the groups, close quote, in the rates of infection. But what do we know about that study? Well, one, this, that was not a COVID study. That was a respiratory, a respiratory study. It was looking at three consecutive college seasons, 2013, 2014, 2015. So it was in, in the pre-pandemic period, right? And one of the biggest problem was, it turned out only a quarter of the people assigned to wear masks did it, and they didn't do it all the time. And even more problematic, of the group that was not wearing masks, it turns out 14% of them wore masks anyway. So if this was your research, what would you conclude about the effectiveness of masking? If you if you actually look at the results of the study, the, the author said we can't really provide conclusive evidence about face masks after they've been viral respiratory infections, mostly due to poor adherence to the protocol. I mean, this is this is the other piece of the, the discussion that you need to have is that, you know, trying to do studies of policies like this um, is exceedingly difficult. That's why the Bangladeshi study, which did find a, an impact on COVID and when, when masks were, were, were um, made available to people in different Bangladeshi villages compared to others, that's why that one is, is, is so remarkable because it was able to show a, a, a benefit from masking in that context. Right after our, our friend Brett Stevens said there's no, there's no benefit to community masking, well, he'd have to talk to my Yale colleagues about um, the veracity of that statement. And the other of the two studies, college students were asked to wear masks for at least six hours a day while in their dormitories, but they were not obligated to wear them elsewhere. And then the second group was not asked to wear masks. Researchers found no difference in the infection rates between those who wore masks and those who did not. Six hours a day in dormitories, is that a good test of the effectiveness of masking in the COVID era? Seems to me we you need six hour, more than six hours a day and in places where there are many people. Yeah, I mean, you know, they also go to classes, they socialize and, and go to parties. And so that goes back to the point I made earlier that it's very, very difficult to do these studies in, in real world settings. These two studies you mentioned, the Hodge and the college students, are pre-pandemic studies, shows how, how difficult it is to get a reading on what, what works. But this underscores what the, the the Cochrane Library said this week is that you know because of the difficulties and and problems with the primary the primary data it's hard to make any conclusions. Now when we move to the the, the pandemic era studies, uh, we you know particularly the, the the Bangladeshi study we get a little bit more of a signal about how masks might be working in the context of the COVID pandemic. And of course, randomized trials are not the only way to measure the effectiveness of masks. We have uh, what they what we call observational studies. Japan, which emphasized wearing masks for the COVID epidemic, had a remarkably low death rate, especially in 2020 at the beginning, even though it did not have any shutdowns. How significant is that? Let's go back to basics. Whether it's a randomized study or an observational study, there are ways in which to design them to get answers or, or, or clues about the effectiveness of masking. You know, from the pandemic era, the Bangladeshi trial is probably the most important one because um, it was a randomized control study. But as you said, there's observational studies in Japan um, among healthcare workers in the U.S. I think there's one at Mass General Hospital that she, she had looked at. There are um, studies from Germany about mask mandates being introduced in different regions of the country in the, in the spring of 2020. 
and and comparisons between American states which had mandates and which didn't, which found significantly higher death rates from COVID in states that did not have mask mandates. Yeah, the point of Zainab's article in New York Times, which actually is 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 something your reader should go through and look at, is that she really goes through the the Cochrane review. I think what Zainab is very careful to say is that you know we we fight a lot about masks, and they're neither a panacea. For, for for the pandemic, nor uh, something that we can sort of toss behind us uh, as we we look at the epidemic in the in the rearview mirror. They have a place uh, used properly in, in the right place in the right time. They can be important to keeping you safe and keeping your neighbors and your community safe. You know whether we've ever had enough coverage or adherence to mask wearing to to bring down community level viral load. That's a whole other story, but we we see in 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 health settings and other places where the, where masks have been used, as Zainab describes, it, it's been important in in blocking transmission, and it, it 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 just makes common sense too. The Republicans see mask wearing as an individual choice. If I wear a mask, will it protect me from COVID? But people concerned with public health look at mask wearing differently. Well, people in public health look at it in in many different ways. One is. I'm immunocompromised or like my elderly mother who's 89 years old is going to go out in public to go to the grocery store. Wearing a mask can protect her um, from, from transmission. Having other people around her wearing masks makes it even better. That's the point. It's that it's not just a question of, of you protecting yourself. It's about what you do for your communities. And public health is about the population, right? But, you know, we do lots of things in our lives um, in which we we think nothing of it. Uh, in terms of, of protecting the public health. It used to be legal to spit in public. You used to not have to wear seatbelts. There's there's lots of things we do in, in the context of our, our daily life. Before the pandemic, you know, all of us got jabbed to, to go to elementary school, to kindergarten, all the way up to college and grad school with vaccine-preventable diseases. It never really was a question about the common good until un, until most recently, in which sort of basic community good basically taking care of your neighbors became sort of a dirty word or a dirty phrase in the context of American politics. Yeah. Well, the main target of the Republican attacks about masking since the pandemic began has been Dr. Fauci, Tony Fauci. He's the focus of a wonderful new documentary that will play on PBS American Masters next Tuesday, March 21st. Fauci, of course, has been director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since 1984. The filmmakers for PBS got to follow him around everywhere and spend a lot of time talking to him in his kitchen. Trump made attacking Dr. Fauci a pillar of his reelection campaign in 2020, and he always focused on one thing that Fauci said, this is quoting Trump, Fauci said, don't wear masks. Now, Trump said he wants people to wear masks, close quote. In other words, Fauci kept changing his mind. And the PBS American Masters doc shows Fauci saying on TV, you don't need to wear a mask. This was in March 2020, at the very beginning, just the first month of the shutdown. What's the true story here? Well, first of all, when the facts change, we change your opinions. That's what separates sort of ideology from science. Um, Should Dr. Fauci have said, don't wear masks in 2020? In March, in March 2020. March 2020. He shouldn't have said that. What I do remember back then is that um, many people were saying, 
in the healthcare setting, we're saying we don't have PPE, we don't have personal protective equipment, we don't have masks, we don't have gloves, we don't have gowns. Um, and you know, there were there were lots of doctors and public health professionals organizing to figure out how to get these tools to people on the front lines in the healthcare setting. So I think some of that is probably at issue in terms of Dr. Fauci's prescription to say don't wear masks in March 2020 because we need to to save them for the healthcare setting. That being said, I don't want to let President Trump off the hook, but I also don't want to let Democrats off the hook. Masking hasn't been sort of um, much of a, a priority for the Biden administration either. So while President Trump can go after Dr. Fauci for his comments in March 2020, um, we could easily go after President Biden for his comments uh, in, in March 2022. This American Masters documentary shows protesters holding signs that say, trust God, not Fauci. Another person holds a sign showing a vaccination needle with the line underneath it, come and make me. And of course, the big sign that we saw lots of places, Fauci lied, people died. In other words, the vaccines killed people, not COVID. And on this documentary, they play a tape of a phone call where a woman says, we're going to find Fauci, we're going to rip his head off, and we're going to shit down his neck, close quote. Uh, that's on the PBS American Masters documentary next Tuesday. I wonder if you have any comment on on just the level of vitriol and threats to Fauci himself. Well, a couple of things. One is, you know, I'm from the ACT UP generation, and we used to scream at Tony Fauci 30 years ago. The point is, is that we had a larger purpose in public health. The federal government was not responding to the AIDS crisis, and we wanted them to do more. To Dr. Fauci's credit, he came around and sort of brought the activists into the fold um, to work with the NIH and, and partner with us, even as we criticized all along. What we're seeing now is, is really an orchestrated campaign of hate um, to target a man who's devoted his life to public service and, yes, has made mistakes along the way. But this isn't a good faith sort of attempt to sort of figure out the best way to prevent sort of CoV-2 transmission in our communities to help the people who are at risk, to help the people who are suffering. It's really an orchestrated political campaign to, to target uh, one man as a symbol of the science and public health establishment and really undermine our pandemic preparedness, not just for COVID-19, but for all that comes afterwards. The anti-vax rhetoric, the anti-mask rhetoric, the give me liberty or give me death rhetoric, really is going to put us um, really... Um, in a, a terrible situation should we see a new pandemic emerge over the next few years, um, one that, that, that might even have a higher fatality rate than, than the, current, the current virus. And I should just add that there's a scene in the PBS Fauci documentary where you uh, are talking with Fauci in his living room with two of your uh, colleagues, reminding him about the old days when you were on opposite sides of the AIDS battle. And uh, it's a great scene, if I may say so. I wonder if you have any closing thoughts about where we stand now, March 2023, on masks and COVID. You said masks are not a panacea. The state and federal mandates are ending. What's the significance now of masking? Over the time we've talked over the past few months, we've had 400 to 500 deaths per day in the United States from COVID-19. You know, it is still a serious public health issue. It's one of the leading causes of death. Masks are a, a part of keeping each other safe and keeping ourselves safe. The fact that the United States has decided to make this uh, an ideological project 
um, rather than a public health one is, is, is a problem. The point is, is that we're not out of the pandemic yet. You do not want to get COVID. And so if you're in public settings with lots of people, use vaccination status, you don't know, for instance, you know, wearing a, a, a well-fitting mask is, and a, a proper mask is important. When we're down to 10, 20 deaths per day, you know, maybe we can talk about the need to sort of forget all the pandemic mitigation strategies that we've been talking about over the past three years. But we are still in the midst of a terrible pandemic, creating a lot of havoc in, in, in lives across the country. And masking, it's not a panacea, but it is one part of the solution. It's not just vaccines. It's not just masks. It's indoor ventilation. It's making sure that people have access to the, the tools they need to keep themselves and their families safe. Greg Gonsalves. You can read his reports on the pandemic and public health at thenation.com, and you can see him in the wonderful documentary about Dr. Fauci on PBS American Masters on Tuesday, March 21st. Greg, thanks for talking with us today. As always, John, thanks so much. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.